Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show with the hosts that men want to be like, women want to be with, or, oh, wait a second, is it the other way around? Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. It's uh, Tuesday again, another wonderful week here in the middle of the summer. And on tonight's show, we have a Ask the Pipe Maker segment uh, with Jeff Grasick. My guest is uh, young pipe smoker Shaul Stone. Well, not really young, but he's also the son of a former guest. And then we'll have a music mailbag, and in the rant section, we'll talk about uh, yesterday, uh, Monday of this week, was my uh, 29th anniversary. 29th wedding anniversary. <laughs> uh, mine, I say. Yeah, well, primarily, primarily my wife's. Anyway, uh, we'll talk about that in the rant. Uh, also, uh, got to... <laughs> Uh, got some travel coming up, so uh, some shows in August and September will be pre-recorded. Remember, if you have any uh, comments or questions, I'd appreciate email them in to brian at pipesmagazine.com or post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page. Uh, that does help keep me a little more organized and keep me a little more detailed because I feel like I've been missing some comments and on the show and they've been uh, coming in in different ways so i promise i'm going to do a much better job at taking care of those but either way if you could send them to me via email or post them on uh, pipesmagazine.com that would be absolutely wonderful and while you're doing that uh you can uh, leave us an itunes rating or review that would be absolutely wonderful we would appreciate that all right, we got a uh, jam-packed show, so let's get the show rolling. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. There's nothing quite like a good book, or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us for Ask the Pipe Maker is the pipe maker and uh, coffee producer, Jeff Grasick. Jeff, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me, Brian. I, I miss your coffee beans. That's all I got to oh, say. I, I don't. I get them every day. Uh, okay. Special people. Um, <laughs> well, so, come on out. I'll treat you. All right. That's a long way to go for a cup of coffee, but uh, oh, worth it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this question comes from uh, Miguel from Miami, and I'm going to translate it from the Spanish that he wrote it in into English, and I'm going to translate it on the fly. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Can every can every smooth pipe be a natural light golden stain, or why does sometimes some pipe makers choose to use a darker stain on some pipes? That's a good question. Uh, so. Uh, Essentially, he's asking what determines or how do we determine what color a pipe should be? Yeah. Or I guess, does you know, do you want every pipe 
even even going further, do you want every pipe, every smooth pipe, to be a very light golden? You know, mm-hmm. whatever that Dunhill, uh, that Dunhill oh, like Briar it. stain versus a Briere versus a Red Root. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, typically, you know, what I'm looking for um, when I'm choosing a color for a pipe is if if I'm looking for you know a light colored stain, it's a customer has requested that. I mean, the, the briar has to be completely or very nearly completely uh, free from any imperfection. Um, any little tiny sand pits um, or uh, variation uh, in the, the pattern of the grain. Um, what we're looking for, what I'm looking for at least, is consistency in the grain pattern. I want some uh, uniform density of the grain as I'm uh, as it's laid out on the shape and, uh, you know, you want it to, to, to look nice. So typically you'll have to have a really, really rare piece of briar for it to be light, uh, a light stain. And that's true for sandblasts as well. Um, at least in my opinion, um, I've seen plenty of people make natural colored sandblasts that have visible imperfections on them. There's nothing necessarily wrong about that it's just not a decision that i choose to make i don't like to i don't like for my customers to see that on my work so if i sandblast a pipe and it's completely free of imperfections then it's available for a natural finish but it doesn't necessarily mean that i will make it that color so let's back up to the smooth pipes for a minute if you if you have a perfect block of wood then it can you can put any color you want on it right uh not not necessarily i mean Uh even if all of those things are the all of those things are present like the uniform grain and the absence of imperfections you still have to have a piece of briar that um will be receptive to the stain that you're using not every piece of briar and sometimes you can tell by just looking at it, and other times you can tell because the last piece that you used from that company didn't take um, the red stain that you're using um, as well as other pieces might. So you know that that supplier, or at least that batch of briar from that supplier, um, isn't, uh, isn't really available for uh, one type of color. So what happens to the pipe if you so you try to you try to put the stain on it and the stain doesn't take? Do you have to resand and clean off what what was left yep. and go again? Yep. Yeah, you got to do all the work over again. Uh, you have to back up um, your your sanding and usually remove most of um, the stain depending on the color you're going for. Um, if you're going from a darker color to a lighter color, then you have to remove all of the stain. If you're going from one darker color to a different darker color, um, it's more of a judgment call about uh, uh, how to proceed. But yeah, you 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 you're giving yourself a few more hours of work um, just to change the color. So uh, I have in the past um, had customers who for whom I've made pipes who have said, "Hey, this is great, but can you make it this other color?" <laughs> I say, "I can." Uh, but it will take many more hours for me to do that. I would prefer to make you another pipe. Can you, uh, so how deep into the pipe does the stain go when you're test when you're, when you find out that it didn't take, does, are you, are you taking off a significant amount of wood where you might have to kind of retweak the entire shape of the pipe? You know, it really depends on the stain and on the piece of briar. 
um, there are some pieces of briar um, that are like sponges and you will stain the outside of it and look inside the bowl and some of the stain has actually gone all the way through the briar even though it's pretty thick. <laughs> um, you're not going to be able to sand that away. I mean, it's, it's all the way through. Uh, that's a pretty rare thing. Um, so in most cases, it's, you're only, it's only soaking in, uh, you know, a, probably a few hundredths of an inch. Um, but it sure feels like a long way when you're sanding it by hand. Yeah. And you're not using a real heavy sandpaper to take away a whole bunch all at once either. I mean, you could, but then you're, uh, when you do that, you're reshaping the bowl more aggressively than you would, uh, it, it, using the lighter sandpaper is more, uh, involves more finesse and that lets you preserve the shape, uh, more accurately. Um, but the also, here's the other risk with that, um, is when the deeper you sand, say you've had a, a, a pipe that's completely free of flaws, well, all you need to do is sand a hundredth of an inch and you could uncover a whole nother flaw, a whole nother flaw that means you got to sandblast the pipe or use a different color altogether. So, you know, every time you make a decision like that, it can potentially a, a decision to change the color or subtly adjust the shape. You are potentially introducing um, uh, major changes to the pipe. Can you test the stain you're going to use, say, on like a piece of the block that came off when you were doing the initial shaping? You absolutely could. And I think if, um, if there are pipe makers who test um, on, on scraps like that um, re uh, regularly, if there are pipe makers like that, I haven't met them. But uh, yes, in theory, you could do that. <laughs> All right, and let's go back to sandblast because I'm holding my J. Allen Brown sandblast pipe in my hands, so that means mm -hmm. that this pipe had some flaws in it that you didn't want to cover up too much, but yet it wasn't so bad that you may, you had to make it a black. Is it a is it a dark brown or is it a light brown? It's a dark brown. It's a dark brown. Yeah, that probably means there was some kind of uh, some kind of sand pit or something that was still visible after sandblasting. Or it could have been just an irregularity in the uh, the texture of the grain, and, and a dark stain helps you um, not perceive that uh, that uh, texture difference um, like you would with a lighter stain. But yet, not so bad that you wanted to do a black one. Right, right, and a black one, uh, black pipes in most cases have some kind of visible imperfection after you have. Uh, your sandblast. And again, these aren't pipe killing ones, ones that make the pipe dangerous to smoke or anything. They're just things that you can see um, that have no effect on the quality of the pipe, but they do affect um, what you would see on the pipe. And, and we're trying to make pipes that perform well, or I'm trying to make pipes that perform well, but also look really nice. And if seeing a, a nice black splotch on an otherwise natural pipe, um, that would be something that wouldn't look nice in my opinion. And then when you do your contrast stain, which I absolutely love, uh, mm -hmm. when you do that, that has to start off as a light pipe and then you put a dark on it or, and so it's gotta be really good. It does. So yeah, you've got two, you've got two boxes you got to tick for that to, uh, for the, the contrast stain to work out. First of all, it has to be completely free of any visible flaws. 
And it also has to have grain nice enough that you would want to show it off. So a lot of times, like a natural finished sandblast doesn't have to have really tight, uniform, beautiful grain. All that really matters is that the growth rings are pleasing to the eye. Now, if it's there, are, there are exceptions to that, of course, where I've finished a pipe and I'm like, you know, that could be a natural, but the grain just looks weird here. And so I think it'll, it will be better as a dark blast. Um, but to be a, a contrast, um, it actually has to essentially be a nice smooth pipe that you have chosen to sandblast. <laughs> Just because you want to sell it for less. Take less money, right. <laughs> well, and I apologize to the pipe maker that I recently asked him to do a contrast blast for me without knowing that, but uh, that was... Uh, <laughs> Now, now you've explained something to me, and you know what? I think I actually learned something in this one. So, I'm, uh, yeah, the, these Ask the Pipe Maker segments are getting fun. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm having a, a good time doing it. I hope the questions keep coming in. Yep, and if you have any questions or comments, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, or you can follow Jeff on social media, too, and look at all the pretty things that he's doing. But, uh, Jeff, thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. We'll be back in just a minute. <laughs> This is Internet Radio. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf. Each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at CND as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and I'm I'm excited to say that I think this is the second time that I've had a son of a guest on, not a son of a other uh, son of a guest. So you are the second son of a guest on the show, uh, but uh, pipe smoker and uh, in particular author of an article that is quite interesting. Shaul Stone, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm glad to be here. So, did I pronounce your first name correctly? Shaul, yes. Um, although, if it's easier, you can actually call me Shuli. There's half of my life people call me Shuli, and the other half of my life people call me Shaul. So, uh, I can't even ca- keep track of it myself. <laughs> well, don't confuse me. I'm a simple-minded <laughs> person. Uh, so, what does it mean in Hebrew? Uh, Shaul is actually the... Um, it's just the Hebraic, um, you know, word for Saul, for, for the, you know, the name Saul. Um, I guess if it had any real root, um, it would be one who asks questions, but, which I think is pretty apt. Um, if you want to know what surely <laughs> means, uh, I have no idea, but it's easier to say. Uh, that, that's that's like, you know, Shlomo is just a, an abbreviated name of, you know, so, yeah, we all get these yeah, every every culture has abbreviated names. However, tonight you're not asking questions; you're answering questions. So you're going to have to deal with that. 
That's correct. And also, uh, Shuli, even though it is uh, a shorter, easier name, well, it's not shorter, but an easier name to say, uh, is also in Israel a girl's name. So I got that going for me, too. Well, you know, before we started recording, I said you have some nice black hair and a nice dark beard. <laughs> you know, um, anyway, um, so, so you are the you are the son of Rabbi Ira Stone that we've had on previously. You and uh, I just just so that everybody knows, what's it like growing up as the son, as the son of a rabbi? Um. Growing up the son of a rabbi, I think it is a, a different experience for for everybody. Um, and I also wouldn't deign to say what the experience for my sister or my brother is like, uh, neither of whom smoke pipes, um, but you can't hold that against them too much. Um, but um, my dad was a, he was a pretty cool he was a pretty cool dad. Um, I think uh, we were in the public eye uh, growing up in our community. Um, sort of like mini celebrities in a way, or he was a mini celebrity and we were the fam. Um, But, um, you know, I was, yeah, we went to little Jewish private schools and things like that uh, growing up, but I was the first, you know, I was 10 years old showing up to fourth grade with, um, you know, a punk rock spikes around my wrists and um, a Sid Vicious chain around my neck and, uh, and got my ear pierced at 10 years old. Um, so I think he, you know, there's a rebellious streak in my dad from his day, you know, his time in the sixties, uh, that I think carried through to his parenting. But then of course there was the times where we had to get it together and, uh, you know, present a certain way to the community. But, um, (laughs) all in all, uh, all in all, yeah, I mean, I think it was actually pretty cool growing up, uh, as a rabbi, as a rabbi son. It's a unique experience that uh, a lot of people don't get. And, you know, a lot of preachers, um, Preacher sons and, and daughters from other cultures and other religion. Um, I think we always still have that thing we can relate to. Um, it doesn't just have to be rabbi sons. You, know? you didn't go to the high holiday services wearing like a plaid Sex Pistols shirt, did you? It might have been underneath my suit. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, how old are you now, and where and where did you essentially grow up? Well, you're never supposed to ask, you know, a woman's age. Well, I'm not. I'm asking uh, you, so too bad. <laughs> um, I, I'm i 37 now, um, and I, uh, I was born in Seattle, lived there till I was six, and then I grew up in, in Philadelphia after that. West Philadelphia, born and raised? No, that was a different guy. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, a, a different preacher. So. Yeah. So when did... Uh, when did pipe smoking come into your, when did you start smoking a pipe and, and how much of an influence was your father? Well, it's interesting that, you, you know, you started to phrase that question two ways. Um, and the first one is how did pipe smoking come into my life? Which is of course, very early on, it was a ubiquitous thing that was just around. Because right out of the womb. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, um, for most of, I think my middle school and high school years, uh, the first thing that you saw when you walked into our house, which was you know, not not a giant house, it was a center city row home. It was so it was very narrow um, and tall, and um, kind of like the Cosby House but smaller. And um, uh, the first thing that you see when you'd walk in was a big homemade 
pipe case with my dad's pipe collection on it. And then you'd walk into the living room where there was a big portrait um, drawn by a friend um, of my father in a chair smoking a pipe, <laughs> um, which I actually now have in my apartment uh, since they moved into a, a smaller uh, place. But, um, you know, so, so yeah, it was everywhere. And, um, you know, I even remember sort of the time being around when my father founded um, Christopher Morley Pipe Club in Philadelphia. And I remember him coming home and telling the story of meeting this guy on the street who was just smoking a pipe, you know, so that, and that's what Christopher Morley grew out into. Um, but uh, I actually didn't really start smoking a pipe in earnest until very recently. Um, really, I would say not more than like the last, Two years. Um, I was, I was always, um, I was more into cigars for a while, and I would go through phases. Um, a pipe was always around, and I would smoke it occasionally, um, but I didn't really see the light, as it were, until until about yeah, maybe one or two years ago. No urges as a uh, as a punk rock teenager to pick up one of Dad's pipes and try it out while nobody was looking. Um. No, because you know, I, <laughs> there's a picture uh, that I have um, on my refrigerator here at home um, that I'm 13 years old, sitting between my father and my brother, and uh, all three of us are smoking cigars. <laughs> and uh, that was that was my what I got to do the Thursday before my bar mitzvah. I got to smoke my first cigar, um, and I got to smoke the whole thing. You know myself or whatever um and uh, although he'll he won't admit it as much today he also went through a long cigar phase and tapered off um pipes for a long time too uh my father so um you know i think when i was home for those some of those formative years he was more into uh, cigars and I and I would get to smoke them occasionally with him. So I think it was that right amount of parental permission where you didn't feel like you had to to rebel against it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I but I did have um, uh, and and he he gave us pipes too, me and my brother. Um, so we had pipes in our bedroom and we would smoke them uh, every once in a while. <laughs> and that was was that an excuse? for him to be able to go out and buy more pipes or was that because he wanted you to have a, have a good pipe? I think it was probably some combination of the two. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I knew I was kind of right somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you, uh, obviously you, you grew up and moved out and did you go off to college and do all that stuff and get a real life? I don't know about that last part, but I did go to college. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I am employed. There you go. And, you're, and, you, and your hair is trimmed. Um, My hair is trimmed, yes. I'm, I'm going to stop picking on you about your hair. Sometimes. Well, I have so, I, but no, see, I have so much more hair than my father. I have a full head of hair, so. Yeah, well, that'll happen. It'll, time will change. Time will change. <laughs> Well, my brother is bald, and he was starting to bald at, like, 19. So at 37 with a full head of hair, I feel like I'm already, you know, this is all gravy. Yeah, I was there at your age, too, with a full head of hair. Now I'm looking for my yarmulke to stop the skin <laughs> from getting burned. Um, well, I got, a good, I got a good yarmulke guy for you. Okay, good. Yeah, I still have one. <laughs> I have the one from my bar mitzvah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. So what did what did finally click in you that said, "All right, I want to you know I want to start smoking a pipe on a regular basis." Um, you know, uh, I I think that actually gets into um, sort of the reasons that were brewing of of writing that article. Um, I think that living in New York City, especially, which is a um, just a, a, a pressure cooker sometimes um, and, and fast-paced, um, very fast-paced. Um, and being here for several years, I just started to get to the point where, you know, I was really looking for um, space, you know, and, and I don't mean physical space, although that would be nice too, as I sit here recording with you in basically a closet. Um, <laughs> but... Um, you know, sort of a way to, to get relaxation and, and mental vacation, essentially. Um, and there's the typical things. There's, um, you know, exercise and uh, yoga and all the things that people pay a billion dollars for. Um, but as somebody who kind of came from that more intellectual background from my father, who's a theologian and things like that, there was just something that really appealed to me about a lot of the writers and thinkers and artists of the past who um, were always seen with a pipe sticking out of their mouth or hanging from their jaw, you know. Um, and and really, my dad came to visit, and he came up to Brooklyn one time, and he said, you know, and, and I was I was kind of going through a big cigar kick to find that um, sort of um, protected time in my life uh, after work. And he was up here for a weekend, and he just said, you know, you're going to try these tobaccos. Uh, they're going to blow those cigars out of the water. And uh, I think I smoked um, Orlick Golden Slice. And uh, and I thought it was good. But I wasn't blown away. Um, and it was slowly from there that I just, the next time I went out to smoke a cigar, I said, you know, it didn't feel the same. It, like something was missing, there was a curiosity, there was a draw, just a natural draw to want to go back to the pipe. And um, and I think I've always had a, a, a bit of a um, compulsion for collecting things and things that you can just sort of like dive deep into and get really nerdy about. Um, and pipe tobacco, just as soon as I crossed that first threshold, I was like, whoa, <laughs> there's so much here I can nerd out on and you know, it's really two hobbies in one. It's the pipe collecting aspect, and then it's the the um, the pipe tobacco aspect with the aging and the the cellaring and just the sheer variety. That to me, as I tell people, you know, who don't smoke pipes, it's it's like the world of fine wine. Like it'll blow your mind. We're gonna take a break right here while we get our minds back together. When we come back, we'll talk more about that article in particular, and then about the uh, pipe club. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 collection, 
in the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking archipelago red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with uh, Shaul Stone. And the article was written in medium.com, M-E-D-I-U-M.com, under lifestyle. And the title of it is Why I Smoke a Pipe and Other Small Acts of Defiance. So first of all, just from the title, is do you feel that you know that those of us that are that that smoke a pipe is that is that really is it a small act of defiance or is it just a kind of a a small way of separating us from the from the rest of the crowd um i'm not sure that those two things are are different um i think separating from the crowd um in some ways being defiant um and I think that the way, you know, even if those, all of us who light up a pipe are particularly in public, um, even if we do it just because we enjoy it and we're not thinking about how it may be an act of defiance at all, um, just because of the culture that we live in and other people's perception of what we're doing um, and our health and all of these preconceived notions that they have, um, then it sort of becomes an act of defiance um, whether or not we um, relate to that ourselves as the pipe smoker. But I do think it's an option for us to look at and say, you know, is part of my draw to this hobby and why I do it, um, is there something kind of defiant inside me that, I'm, that I relate to about this? Um, and if it were more widely spread, you know, <laughs> would I be less inclined? Yeah. Yeah, that I mean, that is a, that's something that I always thought of was if pipe smoke, if everybody was smoking a pipe out there, would I be as enthusiastic about it? Um, would I find it as interesting, or would it be just dramatically more commonplace? I mean, you know, no. When back in my day of smoking cigarettes, when a lot of people were smoking cigarettes, it wasn't that big of a deal. It was just you had an addiction and you went and serviced it with your favorite flavor. Um, yeah, and I think that, um, you know, but one of the original draws um, of the the cigarette of that era was that it was associated with defiant, cool people who were standing out from the crap. Um you know, uh, these, these movie characters and whatnot. And so we were trying to be cool and, and outside of the mix and, and uh, James Dean kind of defiant, you know. <laughs> um, but then it became so commonplace that it just became smoking a cigarette. Um, I don't think we're at risk of that happening to pipes anytime soon. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's an interesting thing to think about, uh, how it would change our um, interaction with the lifestyle, the hobby, um, if it were actually ubiquitous, like cigarettes or vape, vapes, I guess now. Yeah, yeah. Until uh, until the FDA gets a hold of those, um, which they will. 
I'm going to read one paragraph of the article. The rest of it, if you want to see it, go to medium.com and you can search for Shaul Stone or search the article name, Why I Smoke a Pipe. Uh, but this, this article, uh, the, this paragraph in particular is, as a writer living in the contemporary utopian states of America, I'm told that in order to be heard in any capacity, have any chance of stirring an emotion edifying or nudging a mind towards new points of views succinctness is next to godliness pith must rule the day whatever repository of creative tools at my disposal only the most highly digestible narrative structures and eminently salable prose should ever be deployed nuances to be treated the same as i treat cashews and pistachios both of which i'm allergic to of course, when publishing under no circumstance should I employ words so as sophisticated as eminently, because in this land of almond milk and cruelty-free honey, brilliance is measured by the ability to profit without ethic and the dexterity to parlay wealth into ascending planes of celebrity. Heroes are made, as Steinbeck, as Steinbeck put it, by the selfishness that puts making a buck above the common wheel. Egocentricity, once a personality flaw and affront to a community, is now an ideal of the highest order. Uh, first, first of all, that's a mouthful, and there is an awful lot in that one paragraph. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the point. Yeah. So, uh, the contemporary utopian states of America? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, uh, so I'm guessing what you're, what you're setting up here is that for you, one of the, the, the defiance that you have is that you are disconnecting when you, when you sit down with that pipe and light the pipe, you are completely disconnecting from the, uh, I think there's a, I, I think there's a line in it in your article somewhere where you talk about the, the small billboard that's in our back pocket that's constantly flashing at us. Yes. Yes. Disconnecting from all of that. Um, and I think, you know, using that term, the contemporary utopian states of America, um, that we always think, you know, we take progress at, at face value, um, technological proce uh, progress, economic process, uh, progress, um, you know, and, and immediately because it's new, we say it's good. Um, and I think pipe smokers, by lighting their pipe, um, which inevitably slows us down. And you, of course you can be on your cell phone when you're smoking a pipe, um, and I am sometimes, admittedly. Um, but, you know, it really is an opportunity, at least, to turn off all of that stuff, all the advertising that's being thrown at you, all the flashing and that bing, bing and bing that is just vying for your attention um, and, and getting back to... Um, yourself and and just your own thoughts and your own peace of mind um and also i mean it kind of when i say defiance it kind of comes down to uh freedom too and i don't want to be too histrionic about this um but there's smoking pipe is also an inactive defiance is linked with the notion of freedom um you know and the more the fda rules comes down on it and the more tobacco is just you know, put out of business, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many individuals in this country who say, you know what? Yes, 
um, there are risks to smoking. Um, but there's also all these rewards. And how come, as an American, I don't get to, or, you know, any free country in the world, I don't get to make that choice for myself? And it continues to be regulated on, you know, for us. Um, and and I think that's kind of, you know, it's in, a, in a little small way on my balcony and, and smoke my pipe, I'm saying, hey, man, you know, don't, don't tread on me. Um, <laughs> I, I get to make these decisions for myself of what I enjoy and I don't. And... And you know, if you really, if it's really about health, then we would, you know, when you're, when Brian, when you're walking down um, the the pathways at Disney with a pipe hanging out of your mouth, whether it has tobacco in it or not, and the the, the looks that you're getting um, of people judging you um, or whatever it is that they're, you know, thinking, well, the same should be felt by people who drink soda or choose to eat a burger or all the numerous choices that we can make every day that have a relaxing effect on us or, you know, break us away from, from our life in some way that we may need from the, the you know, the rigmarole and rat race of every day that some of us are in. Um, and, and we should be allowed, we should be allowed that choice. Just like, you know, nobody's going to judge, nobody's going to look at me and like cover their children's eyes if they see me on a park bench eating a Shake Shack burger, you know? <laughs> Yeah, or even you know, sitting there and sitting there with a six pack of donuts. Yeah, right. God forbid. Yeah. Hey, God forbid my dad's a rabbi, so it counts. Well, there you go. And you're living in the city <laughs> where they tried to ban uh, soft drinks over the size of sixteen ounces because too much was too much. <laughs> right. Exactly. See. See. Yeah. Now I feel like we're on the right track. I should run for mayor. <laughs> you'd never make it because you'd make <laughs> never mind um <laughs> yeah uh but uh, but again and and i see where you know where the where the pipe is a perfect uh, where the pipe is a perfect statement for your defiance because not only do you have a choice of multiple styles and shapes and sizes of pipes you have a myriad of tobaccos to put in it and then how you pack it is very personal to you too so you're you may be even defying your own father who has his preferred pipes and tobaccos but you have your own favorite yeah um you know not to get too deep into into my psychology <laughs> but i do think that there's um an element of um you know, growing up Jewish um, and having a lot of rituals um, in a in a, a rabbi's house um, that we were required to do. Um, there's sort of this. Um, uh, if you'll forgive me the pun, because my father's also a poet, but there's a bit of poetry to then because I've you know given up some of those rituals, which um, you know uh, is neither here nor there. Sorry, Dad. But um, yeah. sorry <laughs> you know, to my mom too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But um, you know, giving up some of those, but but still, on some level, missing um, rituals in my life. So finding now again a ritual that I can put my own personal stamp on, like you say, in places of tobacco, in the way that I store them, blend my own, choose my pipes, care for my pipes, smoke, pack smoke, you know, all of those things, um, which I can do, um, yeah, uh, to express myself into you know my individuality which is something that brings my father and i closer um a ritual that brings us you know together um with his personal stamp and my personal stamp um you know which 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 is uh 
certainly a different way of approaching things than my youth. Do you ever find yourself just packing your pipe a little slower and maybe being a little more detailed on the packing of the pipe because you don't want to, you, you want to make the entire experience last longer? Yes. Uh, there's a quote from uh, Mark Twain, I think, um, you know, it says that um, too much good whiskey is barely enough. <laughs> uh, um, and, uh, you know, for me, I, I do like whiskey as well, but um, for me, that's a pipe. Uh, I usually only have the opportunity to smoke one pipe a day, really. Um, if I want to smoke two pipes, I have to wake up on purpose earlier, get my day started earlier and, and smoke a pipe. And sometimes that's just not going to happen. Um, but usually I get to have one pipe um, in the evening after work. And so the pipes that get smoked the most in my collection are the biggest bowls I have. Because <laughs> when I get home, <laughs> I want that pipe to last forever. And um, and take the time lighting it and tamping it and getting it all set. and Exactly, exactly. Packing, yeah, really being meticulous. Hey, today should I try the Frank method? Or, you know, <laughs> should I watch some new YouTube video just to... Yeah, to, to take to take what is already slow and and make it slower. Yeah. All right. Let's quickly let's talk about this because you're also following in your father's footsteps. He founded a pipe club, and you are uh, are you you're one of the founders or one of the uh, you're one of the main hookup guys with the Brooklyn Pipe Society. That is correct. I am the co-founder and president of the Brooklyn Pipe Society, which is. Um, a f only a few months old now, um, but is um, uh, founded by myself, um, my friends uh, Kyle Bowen and uh, Gage Allen, um, who, you know, I have to give all due deference um, to the New York City Pipe Club, which is a vaunted club that has been around forever that meets in Manhattan, um, and that's where the three of us met. Um, but we're Brooklyn guys. Um, and we um, wanted to, to make a new club and um, give New York City a, an, another option um, during the month to smoke pipes in a group and not just once a month. Um, and then also, the, you know, Brooklyn is its own beast. Um, and <laughs> we, wanted, we wanted to really – there's this huge scene of, um, you know, artisan stuff in Brooklyn yeah. that I, that I think, uh, the pipe just taps right into, but just nobody knows it yet or very few people. Um, and so we're still kind of figuring it all out. Um, but really trying to reach that new diversity of people who would possibly be interested in the hobby, um, and the lifestyle and, um, uh, maybe encourage, you know, some of those people who, they love tinkering with their vapes and all the different juices and all of those things that are really in the to vaping for the same reason that we're we we are into pipe smoking, um, or at least there's a lot of crossover and encouraging them to to get together and and slow down with us. Um, and we have a rabbi's son and writer founders. Um, Gage is an extremely talented photographer. If you check out our website, the photography on there is all Gage, and it's phenomenal and then kyle is a, a scientist uh, a astrochemist okay. um <laughs> so we're trying to kind of bring all these multiple talents um you know and, and maybe even you know break the stereotype a little bit um that pipe smoking is just for for 
old white men and, and open it up to, um, you know, just kind of really spread the gospel, I guess. Yeah, us old white men, we need stuff. We we need to sell you our older pipes. So we need young people coming in. Uh, I'm happy to I'm happy to buy those pipes, but my bank account is. Yeah. Uh, the website is brooklynpipesociety.com. It's spelled correctly, and their Instagram is Brooklyn Pipe Society on the Insta Snatch or whatever that is. Um, <laughs> I, I'm still learning. I'm still learning. I know Facebook. You, Got that one down. You're doing, you, you're doing great, man. Yeah, thanks. Uh, in that case, we will wrap this up with the Fast Five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Born ready. What is your favorite pipe? You know, my favorite pipe right now, I have to say, um, I got a barely used um, uh, Dunhill birth year dead root one star with perfectly straight grain and it's a little bit volcano um and it's just to have a birth year dunhill like that is uh, incredible and i got it recently and it was my birthday recently so all the stars aligned and it's an incredible <laughs> what is your favorite tobacco um my desert island tobacco i've thought about this a lot is probably a scudo um but the tobacco I'm enjoying the most right now is GLP's Triple Play. Oh, um, what is your favorite drink? Uh, bourbon and E.H. Taylor Barrel Proof Bourbon, which up until about a year or two ago was still, in my opinion, one of the best bargains in bourbon. But unfortunately, it, now it's you know, inflated like a lot of bourbon prices. <laughs> it's still crazy. It still tastes great. They just jack the price up. And then the same thing, just more expensive. Now, barrel proof means that there's no water added to it. It's just whatever pours out of the barrel. So do you ice it or do you do anything to it? Um, sometimes I'll drink it straight. Uh, sometimes I'll put a little bit of water in it. I don't, I don't ice. Um, if the bottle has been like half empty for a while and it's uh, been sitting around, um, then it kind of, the bottle itself calms down and I won't put any water in it. Damn, that's some, that's some high octane. Um, <laughs> when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie or music? You know, I think based on, um, the verbosity of my article and whatnot, <laughs> um, people would assume book, but, um, and I do love books more than anything, but, uh, when I'm really relaxing, um, it's a movie because for me, books often feel like work. Um, I can't read anything and turn off the writer editor brain. Um, and I love movies, movies. I can let my brain go to mush and just be entertained. So when I'm really relaxing, it's, it's, it's a movie. Probably some romantic comedy chick flick. Um, yeah, when, <laughs> how did you know that? You know, when Harry met Sally, um, I love, I love that movie. Sleepless in Seattle. Uh, <laughs> Uh, finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory that we haven't talked about? Um, yeah, you know, uh, I think we, we talked a little bit about the timeline of my smoking kind of growing up around it and then time dropping off. And I can't always connect the dots of the times in my life where there, where I was smoking pipes. And I just have this one memory being a junior in college. We had this duplex, um, house I was living in with two other guys and we had a little balcony. You had to 
climb out of a window to get to, and then you're on this balcony in, in Ithaca, New York. <laughs> and um, and I get and I had a pipe around. I guess it was just you know one that my dad gave me. I have no idea what it was. I have no idea where it is today. Um, and I have no idea why this happened. But we, I just have a memory of me and you know my best friend and roommate from college um, sitting on that balcony and smoking a pipe together on one random evening. Um, and who knows where we're smoking? I would assume it's probably a Captain Back Black product. Um, but it was just such, like, it, it, you know, it's a moment I can look back to and said, man, I should have known that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just sitting on the balcony at night, probably drinking a beer in college, smoking no-name tobacco and a no-name pipe with just a good friend. And, and that's what it's all about. And I've been to Ithaca. That's about the most exciting thing there is to do there, too. Uh, you can, you can, um, look at, look at a waterfall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can, you can walk down the, the block and maybe live through it and not freeze to death. <laughs> Again, the, 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 the website is brooklynpipesociety.com. The article, why I smoke a pipe and other small acts of defiance will uh, try to, well, I won't try to link to it. I'll try to get Kevin to link to it in the show notes or the show listing. And again, it's on medium.com. Check it out. Shaul, thanks for coming on. And uh, thanks for the, <laughs> thanks for the article. Everybody go read it. Thank you so much, Brian. It was, uh, it was a good time. And we'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite, or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking Pipes, in faithful service of the hobby. And we are back. Uh, I do want everyone to make sure and uh, go read Shaul's uh, article, and uh, may may need to read it twice. All right, for music, uh, Doug Deep. And the summertime to me is the blues. Uh, this one is a song called "Why I Sing the Blues," and this is a this is a great concert that goes way back. But it's on this one in particular is BB uh, King. Stevie Ray Vaughan, Eric Clapton, Albert King, and Phil Collins. So several greats, several pipe smokers, and perfect for the uh, dead heat of the summer here.
that is from the concert B.B. King and Friends. You can find it all over YouTube. And let me tell you, if it isn't hot where you are now, after listening to that, boy. You've got some mail. And in the mailbag, uh, just a couple of quick ones. And yes, we are. We were aware that there was a problem with the with getting the file off of iTunes. And uh, Kevin, through the magic of uh, ones and O's and everything, managed to fix iTunes. Uh in the mailbag writing, Rav says, despite still not being able to download this episode, well, there you go. You can always listen to it. If you can't get it off of your iTunes server or whatever podcast thing, you can always go to pipesmagazine.com and click on the radio show link, and the show will be right there waiting for you. In fact, all of them are there waiting for you. Uh, Manage to listen to it via the website. Fun episode. I enjoyed hearing about where Peterson pipes and tobaccos are headed. I'm hoping that Stokeby does a blending event somewhere in my vicinity, and I pondered over the Nording Compass pipes. Intriguing, but not for me. I look forward to hearing more reports from the show. While I agree with Brian's comments and his rants, I can't help feeling dissed by the name PCA. We may not be that big of a group, but we exist. Yeah, we exist, and I was sitting there smoking my pipe for you. Uh, and, uh, Dilligas says very entertaining show after hearing the lively interviews from the floor of the IPCPR and seeing James Foster's great photographs at pipesmagazine.com. I feel that I was there almost, <laughs> uh, the pipe industry seems to be in good hands with the new generation, uh, for those, uh, interested in trying a church warden, but not sure they will use it enough to justify the cost. I would recommend starting with one that comes with two stems, regular size and church warden size. I have a Stanwell Hans Christian Andersen that is convertible, and it does double duty with my Danish tobaccos. There you go. So a, a double duty pipe. Um, in fact, I think Nording had one on display there that had a, a long and a, lo- and a short. All right, remember, comments or questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Travel-related questions, brian.levine at mei-travel.com, or, you know, figure out one of those ways to get a hold of me. And uh, it seems like the question of late, especially when I post stuff on Facebook or Instagram, has been, but can you smoke? But can you smoke? Yes, yes, you can smoke. You'll, you know, everywhere I've gone, I've been able to find a place to smoke. Has it been ideal situations all the time? No. If smoking, uh, you know, if having your pipe once or twice a day in an ideal situation is important to you, reach out to me. I can, I can help guide you in the better ways and directions, especially when it comes to cruise ships, especially cruise ships. So, Yes, you can smoke. Yes, you can. Every cruise ship has a designated smoking area. Even at Disney World and Disneyland, they still have areas outside of the parks and at the hotels. Each each hotel still has multiple smoking areas. So, yes, you can smoke. All right. Um, rant, rave, whatever you want to call it. Coming up next. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869.
As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, this past Monday was the uh, 29th anniversary of our wedding, (laughs) or uh, marriage. Um, Anyway, or as I call it, the 29th anniversary of my wife's wedding, and I was invited. I thought it was very nice of her. Anyway, uh, so for those of you that want to know the secret to a long-lasting marriage, well, let me tell you. First of all, it has not been all a bed of roses. No, some days we've been stuck in the poison ivy, and you just have to dig through it, and you have to itch and scratch and get through it. Uh, And then you come back, and it's a bed of roses again. Uh, To me, the secret of being married this long is, uh, well, I think you both have to be a little stupid. You have to be a little stupid and in that way be a little ignorant of what the other one might be doing and then, uh, you know, but you can't be too stupid and then you catch on and then you get involved and you reel it back in. In the case of my wife, well, I found the perfect one. She's a little stupid and a little slow at times, but the minute I get off track, she gets really smart and really fast and reels me back in. But she allows me that little bit of latitude to be me because I'm me and that's all she's going to get. But at the same time, if I start to go too far, boy, she'll reel me right back in. So that's what I mean by a little bit of stupid. Uh, You have to have a little bit of patience with each other because there's going to be times when one needs more than the other and you have to have that little bit of patience and Uh, You know, sometimes it's not an even marriage. It's all about her or it's all about me and you have to figure out those times. But that goes along with being just a little bit stupid, not completely stupid, but just a little bit. Uh, And, uh, you know, so and again, with the tolerance, that's it. It's an equal partnership, but sometimes it's unequal and out of balance and you just have to ride through those and hope that when you get into the poison ivy that you don't get bit by a snake. There you go. The secrets to marriage. <laughs> um, I'll tell you if we last another year, because each year takes another bit of work to get through. All right. Uh, reminder, if you want to advertise on the Pipes Magazine radio show, this is 100% advertiser supported. And thank you to Missouri Mearsham and Cornell and Deal and Savinelli and SmokingPipes.com. They bring you the show, and it's 100% free to you, and the whole backlog is sitting there. And and anyway, it's all free. If you would like to advertise, email Kevin at PipesMagazine.com, and he'll take care of you there. I would like to thank uh, Jeff for coming on. Thank you to Shaul, and thank you all for tuning in. Until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just Sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy If Mr. McMurphy doesn't want to take his medication orally, I'm sure we can arrange that he can have it some other way.